Welcome to Humans in Public Health. I'm Megan Hall. In the past few years, the field of public health has become more visible than ever before, but it's always played a crucial role in our daily lives. Each month, we talk to people who make this work possible. Today, Andy Ryan and David Myers. You might see the ads plastered on billboards and bus stops. Medicare plans that offer you more. Pay zero dollars for your premium. Free gym memberships with your health insurance. These Medicare Advantage, or MA plans, make a lot of promises. But what do the ads not tell us? How costly is the program? And does Medicare Advantage actually deliver better health care? Andy Ryan and David Myers, professors at the Brown School of Public Health, are digging into these questions. I'm David Myers. I'm Andy Ryan. Before we jump into Andy and David's work, here's some quick background. In 1965, Medicare was established as a part of the Social Security Act to provide health care for people aged 65 and older. It was a federally run health plan that paid providers on a fee-for-service basis. So the federal government would pay for the services that providers charged. The fee-for-service model meant providers made more money if they did more. More tests, more appointments, more procedures. Pretty much from the start, there's attempts to reform payment. And that's where uh, Medicare Advantage came from that there could be these kind of win-wins where providers or private entities are paid not on the basis of services they provide, but on the basis of the population they serve. The idea was that private insurance companies could bring some innovation and efficiency to Medicare, and they'd be motivated to save money because they'd be paid per patient, not per test or procedure. The first pilot versions started in 1997. When the plans first started, they were more niche. In the later 2000s and in the early 2010s, when enrollment in these plans really started to take off to the point that now they're becoming the dominant form of the Medicare program and will likely surpass 50% over the next couple of years. David and Andy say aggressive advertising helped increase the popularity of Medicare Advantage plans. The ads are all over the place. You'll see them watching sports. You'll see them watching reality TV. They even aired a commercial during last year's Super Bowl. Plans also work with brokers who can actually receive kickbacks for guiding people into enrolling in certain plans. On TV, Medicare Advantage plans can look enticing. Their pitch to possible members usually hits the same notes. Most Medicare Advantage plans have a $0 premium. They cover for services you'd get in the hospital or the clinic. They'll usually include a drug plan, and then they might offer a range of additional supplemental benefits that the traditional Medicare program doesn't provide. Like dental care or vision care or transportation services. Some of these benefits are probably just for advertising purposes. They don't make a real difference in patient outcomes. But we've heard like things like transportation benefits for non-emergencies, so being able to have a plan drive you to the doctor's office, drive you to a grocery store. Things like that could be potentially of high value to certain patients, but it still is something that, that we're looking to study more. While television ads can give a rosy view of Medicare Advantage, Andy and David's studies have shown that MA plans can have major drawbacks. For example, the plans can limit members to just one network of providers or make them get approval from a doctor before they see a specialist. So through using tools like that, these plans are able to somewhat control costs. Unfortunately, Medicare Advantage members often don't see these problems until they actually get sick. In fact, one of David's studies showed that people with long-term illnesses were more likely to leave Medicare Advantage after a trip to the hospital. 
And they're doing some things that are maybe not exactly legal. I've heard there's some cases where they like leave a cancer diagnosis on someone's record even after they've gone through the treatment or maybe saying someone is sicker than they are. I mean, is all this on the up and up or is it technically okay, but not really the spirit of what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah, so there's a lot of gray area here. David says there might be some illegal activity going on, but in general, MA plans are just taking advantage of the way they're paid. Here's how it works. Plans predict how much a patient will cost the healthcare system. If that patient ends up costing the system less than expected, the plan gets reimbursed for a slice of those savings. The perfect strategy for the plan is to enroll a healthy person and kind of make them look as sick as possible. And so a common example is maybe somebody has asthma and has symptoms of asthma, but the way that that's captured is as COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, which is worth a much higher sort of adjustment factor. Plans have a lot of tools to add additional diagnosis codes. And the payoff has been substantial. The margins in the program, they're estimates that they're around 10%. That's about twice what they do in their commercial business. Almost everyone thinks that plans have been overpaid. National carriers are even dropping out of their commercial business just to focus on Medicare Advantage. It's like very much a gold rush mentality. But what can we do about this? David says one solution could be more regulation from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS. There's tens to even some estimates are hundreds of billions of dollars of waste in the Medicare Advantage program. CMS does have the ability to audit and to review people's charts to see if the coding is accurate. And so they're potentially leaving a lot of money on the table. These issues with overpayments are starting to reach a breaking point as more and more people enroll in the programs. This year, participants in MA will outnumber those in traditional Medicare. As the problem balloons, researchers like Andy and David are taking a closer look at these plans. Comparing Medicare and Medicare Advantage has been challenging. To begin with, there's less data on MA plans. A lot of the data we analyze is from the traditional Medicare program. The Medicare Advantage claims are incomplete. I think a lot of the research that had been done treats these plans as it's the MA program versus the traditional Medicare program. But really, it's the traditional Medicare program with many different sort of alternative payment models in it versus 600 different contracts in the MA program and thousands of different plans that are being offered. Despite the complexity, some conclusions are already pretty clear. So, Andy, when these plans were created, the whole idea was to encourage innovation and efficiency, improve the quality of care. Based on what you've seen, are the Medicare Advantage plans delivering on that promise? If there are quality advantages, they're pretty minor. I certainly wouldn't say that it's a fundamentally different type of care that people are getting. David, what about cost savings? Is it proving to be a source of cost savings? No. And largely because of the issues we've talked about, we're not really meeting either the cost savings or the quality goals of this program right now. At this point, Medicare Advantage takes up about 5% of the federal budget, and it's largely funded by payroll taxes. Without action, taxpayers will have to start paying the price of MA's rising costs. That's a huge issue, and it would require painful trade-offs of other things the government doesn't do or tax increases. David says earlier efforts to rein the system in suggest that reform won't come easily. CMS proposed making a set of what we think are fairly reasonable changes to the way that some of the risk adjustment system works. And the pushback against that was massive. 
and CMS ended up backing down from making a lot of those changes, or at least did them over a timeline that is really favorable to sort of the interest groups that were opposed to those changes until we get to a place where, you know, CMS can actually act to cut back on, on sort of some of these payments and get things under control or that Congress can, then uh, these issues are likely to just continue. David and Andy say, despite these issues, Medicare Advantage is likely here to stay, at least in one form or another. They're hoping that their work helps ensure that this program delivers care for people who need it in a way that's not going to bankrupt the government. Andy Ryan and David Myers are professors of health services policy and practice at the Brown University School of Public Health. Humans in Public Health is a monthly podcast brought to you by Brown University School of Public Health. This episode was produced by Tino Delamerced. I'm Megan Hall. Talk to you next month.